Hey guys, Josh here, and you're listening to the first ever Big Nerdy Quickie, uh, a shorter episode where we don't have some of the trims and trappings of a typical Big Nerdy question, and we're not going to ask a, a full question, but instead we're going to feature some sort of bonus content. Uh, we released a, p- a kind of pilot for these uh, last week, or when we uh, JP released the behind-the-scenes explicit footage of uh, Colleen and Ed going on their epic Star Wars debate, but keeping things civil between the two of them. And you guys seem to really enjoy that. So with that in mind, uh, this week we are going to be bringing to you another uncut, uncensored episode, uh, this time featuring an interview with comedian Chris Cope. He's been featured on the Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Grey's Anatomy, and Tosh.0, amongst other things. His album is called White Trash Supercomputer, available online, and uh, if you would like to own it, I suggest you do purchase a copy. Uh, Chris is a Floridian, now living in Los Angeles, and in this interview, we talk about life as a comedian, uh, what are his inspirations as a comedian, what is life like in Los Angeles compared to Florida, and what does he like to nerd out about. So we hope you enjoy. Uh, By the way, at the end, our Skype program decided to uh well do a jar jar and die on us unfortunately the interview does end a bit abruptly as a result um chris did want to kill off jar jar uh but we had to end the interview before he could because of the technical difficulties but rest assured we will rectify that situation as soon as possible but for now enjoy our special interview with chris cope Hey guys, welcome to a bonus episode of Big Nerdy Questions, where we have brought on an amazing special guest, uh, where we're going to learn about what he does and why you should care, because he's awesome. Uh, So I'd like to welcome uh, Chris Cope, uh, famous comedian extraordinaire of Jimmy Kimmel Live, Tosh.0, Grey's Anatomy, and several other amazing ventures. On to Big Big Nerdy Questions. Welcome to Big Nerdy Headquarters, Chris. Glad to have you aboard. Thanks, man. I'm glad you guys have me on. I, I enjoy it. And uh, we also have tonight with us, of course, our comedy connoisseurs, Ed and Matt. Hello. Or am I? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Matt, before you get your knife sharpened, since this is a special, Jar Jar gets a reprieve. But we will be killing him in our next <laughs> episode. I want to see him go today. Well, we, we might have to kill him off anyway. Well, we, well, you know what? We'll kill him off anyway. We'll kill him off at the end. Uh, but uh, Chris... I want to see him die. <laughs> when he dies at the end of every episode, that's our thing. So, Chris, uh, you are obviously a comedian, and we've been watching some of your routines, but for those people who haven't uh, seen your work yet, first of all, go to YouTube now, look him up, go to uh, Spotify, uh, find his work. But to tell us a little bit about uh, your... What you do as a comedian and uh, what your what kind of humor that you have? Um, I usually I, the way to describe it, I would say, is like kind of autobiographical. A lot of the jokes I write come from my personal experience, so it's just the, I would say, yeah, kind of autobiographical in the sense of it's my life. I just talk about things that you know make me mad or things about my life that I like to talk about, like weed or you know, life. Hey, weed is life in some cases. Uh, yeah. Not for me, because I'm in North Carolina and it's not legal, but for you in California, have at it. Hey, man, you got a post office, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, uh, Chris, I want you to tell our listeners about your album because they should go listen to it as soon as they can. Yeah, I recorded it in uh, 2000, I think in 14 or 15, I'm trying to remember. Um, but yeah, it's called White Trash Supercomputer. You can find it on iTunes, Amazon, uh, Spotify, Pandora, if you're cheap. Um, yeah, man, it was just, I, I recorded in Jacksonville, Florida. I had no intention of that set specifically being when I would release an album. Um, I just happened to work this club. They taped it, and then I ripped the audio, sent it off to a buddy of mine that had a record label, and he goes, this sounds great, man. You want to cut an album? And I was like, sure. Like all great things in show business, it happened on a whim. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think if I were to, uh, I would probably put too much nerves on myself. I kind of got to capture it instead of like specifically record it, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Um, in our first couple of shows, we had a little bit of hesitation too, but I think it's it's just gotten more natural now. But we know it's going out there for the posterity's sake. But I'm really happy the album came out because you have some amazing content. And I wanted to talk about some of your uh, your work. And actually, I wanted to toss it over to Ed because he has a question about a certain dessert that you mentioned in your routine. Yeah, I was uh, both intrigued and horrified when you were discussing the mayonnaise cookie. <laughs> um, I mean, it was funny. I, I think I improv that bit. Like, I just kind of rifted into existence. Um, just because every time I'd watch her show... And she'd say, hey, y'all, I would just think of something else that she, you know, what I mean, it's just always like, and then for some reason, when mayonnaise cookie came out, it just sounded, it sounded real enough, like, hey, y'all, y'all want mayonnaise cookie? Like, I would, you know, like, in the act, I kind of have this face, like, yeah, I do, like, I mean, you think about all the ingredients in mayonnaise, they're in cookies. They are. It's what, a whipped egg? You whip an egg until it becomes mayonnaise, right? Pretty much, yeah. You add some yeah. oil, I think. Yeah, okay. You add oil and eggs to cookies. So why wouldn't a mayonnaise cookie logically... I mean, I'm getting... I'm, I'm thinking more now than I ever did when I wrote the joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I well, well the hard part's making sure they use actual mayonnaise and not, like, Miracle Whip. Or Yeah, that would that would be uh, atrocious. Miracle Whip, like... Oh, man. If you're, uh, you should take... Miracle Whip, when you buy it, go back to the store, let them put money back on your ET card, because clearly you make more than one bad decision. Well, yeah, like, 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 here's the thing. I, you know, I grew up in, in St. Louis, as, as some of our listeners may know, and Miracle Whip was what I was told mayonnaise was oh, until I was an adult. Wow. I did not know that Miracle Whip was not mayonnaise until... My wife and I moved in together, and we went to the grocery store. She told me to get mayo, and I came back to the cart with Miracle Whip, and she's like, oh, honey, no. We need to go back to the shelf. You're um, learning today. <laughs> you guys, you're all from uh, North Carolina? Yes. Yes. And such. Do you guys uh, know or remember Duke's mayonnaise? Oh, yeah. That's the only ground left in my house. That's, that's in my refrigerator yeah, right now. I think might be the best man and it's so weird like the fact that we're having this kind of breakdown of mayonnaise uh, <laughs> clearly, all of us are going to have premature heart disease um just for the sake of by learning what the different mayonnaises are but dukes <laughs> man dukes is it's like a fine it's the fine wine of mayonnaise <laughs> it is Tom Perignon of mayo i got my have bottle of cristal and my bottle of dukes 
Like, if you went to the richest man's house in Fayetteville, in his <laughs> cellar, it's not wine. It's just a bunch of Duke's mayonnaise. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I think I might know that guy. Yeah, yeah, Duke's mayonnaise for sure. Uh, so and two- you, you know, the, the big bottles that they put on the bottom shelf at Food Lion are probably about the right size to go in a wine rack, too. <laughs> okay, um, I'm this to needs to happen science. now. I'm gonna have to science the hell out of this. So this I have weekend. two quick confessions. Number one, even though we're talking about it here, I absolutely am disgusted by the taste of mayonnaise. What? Uh, I I never have liked it. I never will. I still blame it for the death of my boy. No, uh, that was a Trek reference. Uh, but no, seriously, I don't. The only way I will eat mayonnaise, and this is confession number two, is my grandmother makes a mayonnaise cake. It's Interesting. A, it's a, a real oh, thing. A real thing. The uh, the eggs in the cake are replaced by mayonnaise in the batter. Uh, the eggs. What? The eggs are replaced with eggs. Yes, essentially. Uh, it's Your a, likes I'm learning so much tonight. <laughs> Yeah, she she likes being redundant, but it tastes good, so I don't really care. I liked it as a kid, yeah. so I'm not going to question her methods. At what age do you think a woman just learns to become a, a master cake maker? Because my grandma could bust out a pound cake, like closing her eyes and tying her shoe. I mean, it was just, <laughs> Nana always put, I mean, she had pound cakes on deck. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I, I don't think it's an age thing, because I don't think my mother could cook a hot dog to save her life <laughs> <laughs> Poor and that's her words not mine you dunk it in mayonnaise right that's all you need to do no you know what you do you cut up a hot dog and you put them in the mayonnaise cake there you go yeah i mean if anyone that's, out that's there wants to the... wedding cake did you not know that yeah that is yeah. <laughs> tastes like our if it anyone out like there the part the ceremony took place then <laughs> the white trash super dessert uh it's like trying to summon Wilfred Brimley or something. <laughs> Where's the cake, boys? It's like the final boss in your life game. Uh, but seriously, uh, number one, if you do try these recipes, let us know how it tastes. But number two, Big Nerdy Questions is not responsible for your medical bills that are created by trying oh, these recipes. It. Dear Lord, no, we are not. <laughs> Just saying. Practice these food recipes at your own risk, but please practice them safely. Uh, now that our legal has been taken care of. <laughs> uh, but speaking of food, uh, I think the hit, your bit that has the most hits on YouTube is about edibles. Uh, so... Yeah, because it was. You know, it's funny that joke was in its infancy when I when I when that got recorded, and I'm so mad. So you you, you I... want to pull it off and put on the new version? Yeah, I wish I could, but uh, it just doesn't work like that with the laugh factor. I just put it on, and they're like, we're not taking it. We own it. Oh, that sucks. But it's still a funny bit. Yeah, no, it's still a funny bit, but, like, I kind of meandered. Like, the first punchline I cut out, it's way better. Uh, The next time I do it live, I'll send you uh, and tape it. I'll send you a version of it. Oh, awesome. (laughs) And we might be able to put it on our our Twitter feed for people, because it's... The Edibles joke is is really funny. Uh, My favorite part, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but... I love the the observation that the dosage of the weed is one third cookie, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I want you to explain, Chris, why that's a problem. Because I mean, you eat the third, you get high, and then you're staring at two thirds of a cookie. Like it's just it's this <laughs> circle of just a circle of sadness that just 
You know? What kind of well, monster only eats part of a cookie? Exactly! Right. Like, I don't, just, I don't look it, at an... I don't look at an Oreo and say, man, I just want a small bite of that. Yeah, no, I mean, a sliver of a cookie is just an insult to everyone involved. I mean, it's like, okay, a cookie cake? I can understand only eating a portion of it, but like yeah, an actual like proper cookie? No, you you eat the whole thing. The serving size is the cookie. What if the cookie is the or size pie. of a dinner plate? Listen, you just made dinner. When you, when, you make a deci- yeah, yeah. when you make a decision to follow through... By God, you make a decision to follow through. <laughs> yeah, you gotta commit, man. You gotta commit. I don't know how you boys were raised. <laughs> I got gumption. There are no half measures here. No. I was raised oh, to clean my plate. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have the good full measure bad. of devotion. As long as it can be dunked in the milk cup, it'll happen. And if it can't, we'll tear off a piece that can be. Yeah, man. Right. Divide and conquer. Work for sea. Exactly. We will cross our Rubicon and we will be high when we're doing it. <laughs> uh, so what is it like to live in a state now that has speaking from a state that where weed is still considered to be the the, the satan uh satan plant uh what is it like to live in a state where it's legal to have a blunt in front of a cop and they can't do a thing about it i mean they can still hassle you because you're still smoking outside like if you're smoking outside they can write you the same ticket if you're cracking a beer outside ah okay okay you know it's it's more of like, listen, just don't be an asshole about it. Smoke your weed in your house, maybe your car, you know, and just be cool. If, like, you buy your stuff, they staple it for you. You know, once you leave the store, it's your prerogative. But for the most part, like, nobody's, like, the only time you really ever see a ton of people, like, out smoking weed is if you're walking to, like, an event and people are just getting lit up. Or, like, Coachella, before, like, something like that. Yeah, you know, it's. I, although I will say, downtown LA, the entire bit of it smells like weed now. Um, oh, so like Asheville <laughs> <laughs> or Boone? <clears throat> well, it, what was it? I was in a, I, I did a cool little town in North Carolina, Tryon. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yep. That that was the weirdest county because I, I mean, I thought I was going to have a really conservative crowd, but I had a really fun liberal crowd. Yeah, yeah. North Carolina has some surprising pockets. I. Matt and I actually met at the state archives. That's where I still work. So, like, I am I do stuff with all over the state. And we've got some really fascinating pockets. I'm not saying it's all good fascinating. Uh, in fact, somebody called me today at work and asked me if the state archives could verify that the Bible was state law. I'm so glad I don't work there anymore. So, you never I know. I mean, I love the people, but... Oh, some of the questions. Somebody once offered to donate their blood to us to prove they were part of the Aztecs from Eastern North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I could make a comedy routine out of what I do at work, but I think my wife's got me beat because she's a high school teacher and some of those things. Whoo, oh, buddy. Next generation's all shot. They're done. Yeah. Uh, this, this is it. Yeah, we're, we're done. The, the, the planet's going to hell and so are we. Uh, but we might as well have some fun on the way, right? <laughs> Well, I already had a one-way ticket. I'm just trying to work my way up to first class at this point. <laughs> it's like the various circles. Dante was right all along. <laughs> turns out, it turns out the third circle of hell is just a Fitbit. <laughs> How many steps can you get? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? No. Uh, but uh, Matt, do you have a, a question for Chris? So, uh, you're from Florida. And you, you're you said I believe you said you're in L.A. now. Yes, sir. 
if there is one thing about Florida that you could take with you to California, what would it be? My family. That's the right answer. Well yes, done, it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because, I mean, the humidity uh, can stay in Florida. Uh, a lot of the trash can stay in Florida. But my family is people that I love, and I want them to be near me, so I would love to have them in California. And the flight is not short from from L.A. to Jacksonville. Man, it's five hours every time. I've only been to L.A. once. It was when I was on Jeopardy a couple of years ago, and that flight was, I mean, it was worth it, but man, that when long you flight. Money? What? Did you win any money? I did. I won one game. I won $27,000. Damn, you beat me. I was on Celebrity Name Game. I won ten grand. Oh, wow. Cool. Nice. Was that the one with Craig yeah. Ferguson? Yeah. Is he nice in person, I hope? Yeah, if you don't piss him off. Ah. <laughs> wait, wait. Did you piss him off? I did. Uh, <laughs> but one of the celebrities did. By kind of being uh, nationally insensitive. Oh. Oh. And then, and then it was kind of funny. He just kept popping her with his jab. <laughs> just any chance he could to kind of give her a good one. He did not hold back and just pop, pop, pop. Oh, really? Pop. Uh, I need to find that clip of you on Celebrity Name Game. That uh, that'd be awesome. I mean, I, Alex Trebek I, was rather I, I reserved. I don't know. I don't know where they post or where it's been posted or anything. So I mean, I would love to see me win, the face. The look on my face when I win ten grand is pretty good. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the look on your face when you had one third of a cookie was was enough. So the, <laughs> the look on your face when you won ten thousand, I'm sure, is quite amazing. <laughs> Who were? What celebrity uh, were you paired with? I have Billy Gardell and Sherry O'Terry. Okay. Not bad. No, Billy Gardell was on point, man. Sherry O'Terry uh, was, was, did her best, but it didn't help as much. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you can tell when you watch shows like that and like Pyramid, it really, I mean, a lot of it is dependent on if you get a good celebrity. Like, I would have loved to have gone on with Betty White back in the day because she was, she knew, I mean, she still would be on her point, but she was the game show master with celebrity stuff. Like, Pyramid, password. She, if you were her partner, you're gonna win. So. Let me let me tell you who I would like to be paired up with in in the ideal scenario. Paul Lind. That would be no, Paul Lind would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he would have been good. I mean, he's not with us anymore, but no, he was the great center square. I mean, it, it's fitting for Paul Lind that he was a center square. He liked to have a guy on top and on bottom of him. <laughs> but you know. Do not be mean to the great Paul Lind. Oh no, no, I, I I love Paul Lind. I'm just making a a joke that I think he would approve of, considering some of the jokes that I've seen him make over the years. Oh, he was great, man. He would because he had to be clean. So he, I mean, he would do something with a look sometimes. Like, nah, you ain't set me up for that. No. Yeah, he'd make that sly look, and this that you know what he's trying to say, but he can't say it. Oh uh, yeah. So that's a great segue. We actually had on um, two female um, comedians and actresses from uh, Canada a few months ago, and they talked about their comedy, like people who inspired them in comedy. Who are your inspirations in the comedy world? Um, I'd say present day. I'd say like someone like Bill Burr. I really respect how he writes and his point of view, and he just doesn't give a shit. Um, and I would say uh, career-wise, like uh, Dangerfield, man, because he was great. I just have, I have like a weird like teenage kind of affection for him because like ladybugs he would make movies and i'm like oh this guy's hilarious and then as i started comedy i got to know more about his career and i really just kind of like i read his biography with whenever i need inspiration 
That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm glad yeah. that uh, he he's a really good one to look up to. I mean, because he, he always had to fight for respect, right? And you're fighting for it, and you deserve more attention and respect. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, it would be great to if you could have that same sort of trajectory as Dangerfield. Maybe you'll appear in the Caddyshack remake. That's inevitable. <laughs> I know. I wish they would redo that. I'm just glad they never redid Ghostbusters. Oh wait. What? <laughs> Man, I wouldn't go to the movies anytime soon. You're going to be upset. It was, uh, yeah. Chris, I actually have a question for you, uh, for our listeners here. Uh, now, we all, you know, do the entertainment bit behind the mic with the anonymity of the Internet. You know, you're in front of people on a daily, nightly basis entertaining. Do you have any, you know, tips or, you know, counsel to anybody that wants to get into entertainment in general or even specifically comedy? Um. Yeah, be prepared. I know that sounds very generic but if you're gonna if you're going to an open mic and it's your first time on stage whether it you've been in the game 15 years and it's your 10,000th time on stage you got to be ready to do your job and be prepared for anything you have to kind of be flexible while still maintaining discipline which is that's what makes stand-up tough man so i gotta ask when you get a heckler do you ignore them or do you fight back at them with insults uh it depends on uh, if they're interrupting the show, because sometimes people are just talking, they don't realize their volume, and like I'm not going to go after them. And then there's the people that like are genuinely trying to yell shit at me, and it depends because like women are really tough to answer back because if you go at them too hard, you'll lose half the audience, mm. and then slowly lose whoever's connected to the woman that ends up upsetting you. So you'll just slowly lose the entire audience. Um, if the room has security, kick them out. That's you a know, good I, idea. I mentioned this on a stage when people are heckling. I'm like, in a movie theater, if you talk above a whisper, I'm going to garrot you with my shoelace. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, we're at a comedy club, and you think you can talk like you're like you're standing next to a fucking helicopter. Pardon me. Uh, beep that out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, if you're a guy and you want to go with me, I have amplification of my voice. I have wit, and you're drunk. It's your funeral. <laughs> yeah. You know? I used you can to, be bold, but I'm going to win. I'm going to win. It's my job to win. I used to do improv, and I didn't have it that often, but when there were hecklers, it's, I mean, it's tough with with improv because even though it, it seems like it would be easier, but if you're in the middle of a game, you have to break character to respond. Yeah, no, it's and it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. You know what you do? Whenever the heckler keeps yelling stuff out, just keep going, yes, and? Yes, and? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, I used to do improv, and it was really fun, but I decided to focus my talents on the podcasting world, which birthed big nerdy questions. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. The trolls will come after you. You never – nobody escapes uh, – nobody escapes the shitstorm. Oh, no. We, well, we, we've had a few on our Twitter feed and responding to comments, so – and I'm positive. We're, we're planning, hopefully, to do our first live show later this year. And I'm expecting we'll have at least a few trolls there. So, you know, who knows? It ain't a show if you ain't got trolls. Yeah. Man, I don't think there's ever been a nerd in history that's had to deal with a troll. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess that's a good way for us to to get to where we're wrapping up our our talk. Uh, This is obviously big nerdy questions, Chris. Uh, Do you consider yourself a nerd? And if so, what do you like to nerd out about? I'm definitely a nerd. Uh, I would say I'm a history nerd. Oh, Sweet. oh! You're in the right you place, just, my you, friend. You just said the magic uh, phrase. 
Well, it, it just so happens that Colleen, who's not here, uh, Matt, and I all have master's degrees in history. Uh, so I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a, uh, I have an AA degree in sociology. So you guys win. Um, no, no, no. Like it, it's not about winning, but you found that we do history stuff all the time. We uh, last year we we uh, recasted the Avengers with U.S. presidents. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We we uh, a lot of fun. Did Abe Lincoln get Captain America? I think he did. From one he? of us, yes. I, I and gave then Teddy. I I gave it to FDR. Yeah. Because I wanted him to use oh. the wheels of his wheelchair as his shield. No, that no FDR would be Iron Man. He came from money. He needs the he needs the shield. He needs the suit to help his body. Well, that's why I gave it to JFK because without his, with his Addison's he could barely walk, but he hit it well. Uh, but same yeah. same reason. But yeah, it was a really fun uh, and. Oh, uh, and later this season, we're actually going to recast Star Wars with the U.S. presidents. Uh, so, I don't know who's going to be uh, Darth Vader. I have an idea, too, but I'm not going to spoil it yet. Uh, I, but, I've got a suggestion or three for Palpatine. Yeah, well, my only one I'm going to reveal right now is I'm definitely going to be casting Millard Fillmore as Wedge. <laughs> I will explain why in the episode. I got one. William, uh, William Taft is BB-8. <laughs> he just rolls around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? It's That's it's almost too perfect. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I mean, that, <laughs> for the Avengers, I wound up casting William Henry Harrison as Quicksilver because he did something flashy <laughs> and then immediately died. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. You know, we have history all the time, uh, and we uh, we did we went back in time with like well, well, not literally, but we did an episode on where we would go if we had the DeLorean for the day. Uh, so, we, and actually, coming up in a, on a serious note, we're going to do a two-part series on how civil rights have been reflected by, but also moved forward by nerdy franchises. Uh, so, dibs on X Men. Yeah, you're doing X Men, of course, uh, <laughs> uh, but. We love history here at BNQ. It's our thing. Have you guys watched uh, that Untold History of the United States on uh, Netflix? I have not uh, yet. Is it is it worth watching? Yeah, I mean, and uh, the reason why I like it so much is because like it doesn't necessarily like you would think Oliver Stone. Oh, it's gonna he's just gonna kind of take a dump all over the U.S. and he kind of just shows like objectively like this is how we behaved on our way to becoming the the strongest country in the world. It's like. You know, everyone kind of has this like, oh, every time the U.S. does something, it's for moral and righteous, you know, reasons. And it's like, nah, sometimes we just like to make money. Yeah. yeah. Manifest Destiny wasn't really about Manifest Destiny, if you know what I mean. No, it's just like, hey, we're going to take this. Get out of our way. Move, uh, bitch. Get out the way. Get yeah, out the way. Uh, yeah. I mean, our flag should just be a guy holding a shotgun going, clack, clack, stop me. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh. A really good book on the founding era you might be interested in is uh, Founding Brothers by Joseph Ellis. It It's an excellent book on uh, how the founders actually interacted with each other. It was actually about their relationships and how they saw each other and how that impacted the development of the uh, oh, wow. Constitution and the Declaration. Is it Joseph it's, Ellis? Yeah. 
Spoiler I'm alert. Down, I'm always down for a new book, a new uh, audio uh, book. Hamilton and Jefferson hated the hell out of each other. Oh, yes, they did. Adams and, I mean, Adams and Jefferson were kind of like, they were good friends. They were they also kind of had this, like, you annoy the shit out of me. They were frenemies. Adams and Jefferson respected each other, but they vehemently disagreed on the better form of government. I mean, because Adams was a was the definition of a federalist, like central power, whereas Jefferson was the beginner. He started the Democratic Republican Party, the anti-federalist. Like, he was all about, uh, you know, agrarian society. So they respected each other. It'd be almost like, uh, I'm trying to think, Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders, almost, as far as, like, different philosophies, but you can tell the other is truly coming from their own philosophical point of view, so they can maybe have an honest debate. Whereas Hamilton and Jefferson, I mean, it's a complete, like, knock-drown, drag-out personality fight, bringing in rumors and affairs and scandals. It's it's intense. I'm surprised there hasn't been a miniseries or movie based on that enemy relationship yet. It'd be, I mean, Hamilton kind of does it with write the musical, it. but it should be done. Write it, man. Why don't you write it? I should. I really should, but, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's a story you know well enough, just write it. I, I would like to point out how diverse we are as a podcast, where we have an in-depth analysis of mayonnaise and the Founding Fathers in the same episode. Well, just sounds like yeah. a whole white talk. Yeah, it's all white. <laughs> yeah, it's all white. Welcome to the All Things White Podcast. <laughs> oh, God, no. We get listeners what? that we really aren't trying to attract, Chris. No. no. On next week's episode, marshmallows. And Delicious I, dessert or pure evil. It is at this point that I should mention. I should mention at this point that Callie, who's not here tonight, who's the one he's expecting, she is African-American and LGBT. And she happily tells us this, you know, so... Uh, we are not the all-white club. I should just point that out for legal purposes. No. <laughs> just for today, guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us even own Tiki Torches. No, I do not. I don't, I don't have a backyard. <laughs> I don't even have grass. I, I have a little sidewalk that goes well, to my car. All the grass in the world, man. Well, Chris has grass but no backyard, <laughs> if I catch you. <laughs> uh, I guess I do have a backyard. <laughs> uh... So I, I guess one, one final thought. Um, so, you know, living in California and living in the South, we asked you already, you know, what you would take from Florida. But what is the biggest difference in life in the South versus life in L.A.? Um, to be honest, people are a little bit more understanding here. The, uh, the things that I've seen in the South, just the lack of, like, bend. People just kind of have this, they're like, nope, this is how I believe. You're not going to change it. And mm-hmm. to hell with you, you try. Out here, people have, I think, a more relaxed approach to debate. That's really heartening to hear. That's that's good. And honestly, I mean, from being on the front ends here, it seems like <laughs> our generation and younger, even though we're in the South, is starting to oh, go that sure way. Expanding. You know, It's for yeah. sure expanding. Because I think when you have this access to information, you you don't just sit there and believe what your parents stuffed on your head. No. You know, you're you're able to make more conscientious decisions based on the information you're able to take in. It's like I'm able to watch a video from across the world. My mother could never have done that at my age. I mean, it's the same effect, you know, the, the, the sociologists like like you will say that, you know, a lot of kids in America are raised conservative, 
They go to college and that's where they become liberal or at least are moderate because they're exposed to liberal viewpoints for the first time. But it happens now in real time. Like you don't have to go to college to get exposed to those things. You can find them online. No, for sure. And I mean, also, I think you go to college. I wouldn't say like you're, you're you're definitely exposed to more liberal stuff. But it's because you're now allowed to seek other thought patterns. You're exactly. Your parents' narrative. Which exactly. Yeah. Shaped, which half of their life was obviously before you were born. And we all know how the past is. It's not always the best. You know, you it know? makes sense. It's like your parents have at least 20 years of being influenced by some backwards thinking. Which some of that spills into you. And then you go to college and go... And you're around mainly people that are your age. And it's like, no, this is all kind of bullshit. I'm not thinking like this. Exactly. And and, and I guess the, the moral of the story is, you know, we don't take a political stand on this show, although all our listeners probably know that where we all stand, or at least roughly. But I should say, question everything and look for all the information that you can. That just goes without saying, because it'll help you. Yeah. it's It's been said before, and I think by me in the last episode we recorded we as nerds or geeks, whatever we get stereotyped as in my experiences tend to have far more open minds than, uh, people, you know, by and large, we, we are open to new experiences and, and new thought processes. Absolutely. I agree with that. And also when you're, especially when you're weird out with history, you see this shit happening over and over. Absolutely. Can you guys not? Can you guys not see that this is happening again? Yeah, I mean, I can't watch the news today without thinking of the 1930s. I won't elaborate yeah. more than that. But if you don't know what I mean, just or look the, up or the late 1970s. The history 1970s. of America first. Exactly. I mean, there's yeah. it's clear as day. Um, it reminds me of a uh, I can't remember what comic it was, but it was posted on the door of the history, the main history office where I was. Uh, where I was a teaching assistant and it said those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Those who do learn from history are doomed to watch everyone else repeat it. And that's truth. True. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, um, I want uh, your album again is a white trash supercomputer uh, and everyone needs to go listen to it because as it's been clear on this show, you're both an erudite scholar and just a very hell of a funny guy. Uh, so it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for reaching out to us, by the way. Um, I was incredibly excited when you reached out to us through Twitter to come on the show. Like, And that's where the recording ended. I know that's an awkward place to end, but we thank Chris Cope for coming on Big Nerdy uh, Questions. And we hope that he comes back to Big Nerdy Headquarters soon. In the meantime, you should go check his stuff out on Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you can find comedy albums. Again, the album is White Trash Supercomputer. If he's coming to your area, check him out live. He's a great guy uh, with some great humor and a great perspective on life. So give him a call. And if you happen to be in a state uh, that is 420 friendly legally, I'm sure that he wouldn't mind hanging out with you that way, too. Uh, But for Matt and for Ed and for JP, who tried to be on this episode, but unfortunately scheduling conflicts kept him off, and for, of course, for the rest of the B&Q panel, this is Josh uh, signing off for now. 
Next week, you will have a full Big Nerdy question uh, featuring Rick Admiral Marius, his re- triumphant return to Big Nerdy questions as we discuss the best ships in the Star Trek universe. Uh, so until then, I hope you have a very enterprising week, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Good night, everybody. Thank you.